From MIT Technology Review, I'm Laurel Ruma, and this is Business Lab, the show that helps business leaders make sense of new technologies coming out of the lab and into the marketplace. Our topic today is decarbonization. From carbon capture and storage technologies to sustainability goals for 2030 and beyond, companies and countries are facing serious challenges. However, Technology continues to play a part in helping both enterprises and governments find opportunities and help usher in new innovations. Two words for you, going green. My guests are Her Excellency Sarah Bint Youssef Alamari, Minister of State for Public Education and Advanced Technology for the United Arab Emirates, and Mr. Musaba Al-Kabi, the Executive Director of Low Carbon Solutions and International Growth for ADNOC. This podcast is produced in partnership with ADNOC. Welcome to you both. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you, Laurel. Let me start with you, Your Excellency. Advanced technologies are critical to achieving net zero emissions by 2050 across all economic sectors. What's your overarching approach to decarbonization and how are you leveraging advanced technologies to tackle climate change? Laurel, uh, the approach towards decarbonization uh, needs to be a comprehensive uh, whole of government understanding across several key sectors uh, that requires both uh, impact and creating the necessary opportunities to circumvent those challenges. Uh, Being able to do that requires not only policy shifts and policy changes, but requires a deep understanding of utilization of technologies um, across different sectors and development of new methods of production or new methods of uh, lowering our carbon footprint so that we're able to achieve the 1.5 degrees uh, commitment. Um, As we are approaching it within the Ministry of Industry and Advanced Technology, the The focus is at the moment on infusion of the right technologies across key sectors, especially hard to abate um, industrial sectors, uh, ensuring that carbon capture uh, methods and also methods for production of energy and cleaner energy and utilization of different energy sources becomes uh, a key pillar of development across different sectors. The country has invested quite heavily Uh, in early stage research and also in deployment of different energy methodologies, uh, investment in decarbonization across key industrial sectors, and the utilization of uh, technology within our current industrial sectors to increase efficiency. And as you know, efficiency is the first step towards creating the necessary impact and outcome. We have also looked at our research and development priorities and incorporated climate change quite heavily into it. And the solution has always been around energy energy production, transport systems, and a a comprehensive whole-of-value chain approach uh, to significantly reduce emissions and certainly uh, play a critical role in tipping the equation um, to uh, to the right side and ensuring that we're carbon neutral. Thank you. And Mr. Alkebi, ADNOC is a diversified and integrated group of energy companies that are largely state-owned by Abu Dhabi, the largest of seven emirates, which make up the UAE. ADNOC is traditionally known as an oil-producing company, among the 10 largest in the world. So with sustainability becoming a global imperative and the UAE's goal to cut emissions, how is ADNOC working to build the new energy future? 
When you look at the energy trajectory going forward, at least the demand side, it's clear that in the short, medium, and long term, there is a significant growth in the energy demand globally. Of course, there will be a different sources of energy, and uh, renewables will take a growing role going forward. But there is this overarching theme, which is energy transition. But energy transition cannot, cannot consider energy transition without also considering the affordability and energy security. So the three trilemma, or the trilemma of uh, the energy transition, affordability, and security, is going to be a very complex landscape going forward. Our job as a responsible energy company is to ensure that we play our role to ensure that we supply the energies of the future. So we started this journey of decarbonization long time ago. And let me take you back to the early days of ADNOC. In the 70s, at that time, we took a progressive approach to embrace sustainability in our operation by embracing new technologies. And let me give you specific examples of liquefied natural gas. LNG technology at that time was very nascent and it was not a common practice for oil producing companies and countries to capture emissions and embrace new technologies. So the LNG at that time had a positive impact in two sides. One in the supply side by reducing the flaring, capturing the natural gas, and also in the consumer side where we offset a heavy emitter power generation like coal. So it had a, a net positive impact in both sides. ADNOC also is embracing, of course, the uh, carbon capture technologies. So we're very proud that we established carbon capture project early in the 2016, the first project in the region, uh, commercial scale, 800,000 ton per annum, and uh, with a plan now to go up to 5 million ton by 2030. We also send a new emerging energy sources like ammonia. Three cargos, test cargos were sent to Asia and to Europe. Also today we are sourcing 100% of grid power from zero carbon solar and nuclear energy ensuring energy efficiency improvement across our operation. And we also apply, of course, nature-based solutions with the planting of millions of mangrove trees. We also recently allocated $15 billion investments uh, to progress various projects across our diversified value chain in the low-carbon solutions. So as I mentioned earlier, we're going to expand our CO2 capture capacity by 500%. We are going to further electrification of our operation, $3.8 billion to electrify offshore operation, representing up to 50% reduction in CO2 intensity. We are implementing energy efficiency programs. We are also taking new measures to build on ADNOC's long-standing policy of zero routine gas flaring. We're growing our investments in blue hydrogen, a new world scale, 1 million ton per annum, low carbon ammonia plant at Ta'ziz. And we are also a major shareholder in the Abu Dhabi Future Energy Company, Master, which currently has a capacity of over 20 gigawatt of renewable energy, which is enough to power over 5 million homes and plans to grow this to a well over 100 gigawatt by 2030. On the R&D front, almost 80% of our projects are dedicated to sustainable growth. For example, we are exploring ways to harness the power of geothermal energy and taking concrete steps to mature the hydrogen value chain and hydrogen technologies going forward. 
So there are a lot of set of technologies that we are optimistic to see them maturing and addressing the decarbonization agenda. And Your Excellency, how is the United Arab Emirates decarbonizing and greening existing industries and supply chains? For example, how important is the country's regulatory landscape and standards infrastructure? So the UAE is tackling this from, from different perspective uh, based on the maturity of industries. So first, from the perspective of existing industries, mature industries, and industries that are typically known to be um, uh, carbon producers, uh, we've got different methodologies to ensure that this becomes a, a whole of supply chain effort. We're looking at every part of the value chain. And I can give you an example of uh, utilizing carbon capture uh, systems in a hard to abate industries where we have a very good and scalable program to decarbonize our steel production uh, with Emirates Steel partnered up with both Adnoc and Musta to capture and utilize uh, up to 800,000 tons of carbon dioxide a year. Uh, and that's just one mechanism by which we are approaching uh, carbon capture. Another mechanism is to uh, utilize and embed across our different policies. So we've got the in-country value uh, program along with our industry transform, our, our, our integrated technology transformation uh, program that includes a uh, an industrial technology transformation index that has uh, that has sustainability as one of the key pillars of technological transformation. And what it does is effectively looks at efficiencies, looks at mechanisms to cut out carbon uh, production, reutilize it within the system, ensure that materials are being utilized to the maximum of their capacity, ensure that waste uh, is being reduced. And all of that is being utilized through both digitization mechanisms, industry 4.0 technologies, better informed production processes. And from a policy perspective, we're also going to the level of consumers to ensure an end-to-end -end, uh, mechanism uh, that not only focuses on production and industries on both upstream and, and, and downstreams, but also looks at uh, a comprehensive utilization uh, and transportation of uh, key, uh, key industrial, both from a raw materials perspective and also from a uh, production perspective and end product perspective. Uh, from a policy perspective as well, within our Operation 300 billion, uh, sustainability is embedded uh, very well across all pillars uh, and utilized as a mechanism to develop new industries. And what that what this does is transforms uh, decarbonization at scale from an economic burden to a market opportunity. Uh, and this gives us a whole of policy efforts uh, to be able to drive new industries uh, that then become the utilizers of a lot of the offtakes that comes from uh, existing um, industries and allows us to better integrate our ecosystem towards uh, creating the necessary impact and outcome. Uh, then comes our policies that are that now look at what is beyond the current technologies and current industries and its advancement across different sectors. And that ensures a whole of nation holistic approach to uh, the right policies, the right metrics, the right mechanisms to enable um, to enable our carbon neutral agenda and ensure that uh, industries are playing a vital role in this important transition. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Al-Kabi, beyond traditional emissions reduction efforts like forestation, there is a need for higher rates of CO2 removal. 
Adnoc recently allocated $15 billion to projects, as you mentioned, that will help accelerate its low carbon goals. What are some of the latest research and development investments into CO2 removal, like carbon capture and storage, that Adnoc is pursuing, and how do they complement the UAE's overall sustainability goals? The importance of CO2 removal cannot be understated. In January this year, a coalition of researchers published a report urging a rapid scale-up of carbon dioxide removal technologies. It found that of the 2 billion tons of CO2 being removed from the atmosphere each year through human intervention, only 0.1% currently comes from carbon dioxide removal initiatives. In order to avoid the worst effect of warming, the study said that we need to increase the rate of carbon removal from the atmosphere by a factor of 30 over this decade and a factor of 1,300 by 2050. Across ADNOC, we are implementing and piloting various forms of CCS and carbon dioxide removal technologies. As mentioned, our Ariada facility captures up to 800,000 tons of CO2 per year from the Emirates steel industry. At Ferti Globe, we capture CO2 and use it to make urea. Earlier this year, we announced that we will also take the excess carbon dioxide captured from Ferti Globe's UAE operations and inject 100% of it in Abu Dhabi's onshore carbon aquifers. It will be the world's first fully sequestered CO2 injection pilot. In Fujairah, which is one of our northernmost emirates, we're partnering with a startup company to pilot ways of mineralizing CO2 forever within rock formations. The process involves extracting CO2 from the atmosphere using direct air capture technology. We will then mix it with the seawater and inject it underground into rock formations. The whole process will be powered by a clean energy from mustard, which effectively makes the pilot carbon negative. It's still early stage, but if we are successful in using technology to accelerate this natural process, it would pave the way for us to mineralize billions of tons of CO2. There are advanced discussions underway with a range of other CCS and CCUS companies too. We are looking at innovations that turn CO2 into usable products, such as sustainable aviation fuel. Nature-based solutions also have a large role to play in our strategy. We have an active program to plant 10 million mangroves by 2030. Mangroves serve as a powerful carbon sinks. Hmm, very good points. Your Excellency, how is the UAE capitalizing on the green transition? What is the UAE doing to pave the way for building green industries of the future? For example, how is it promoting R&D and green business models? So Musabah just spoke about specific examples of the utilization of carbon, uh, the mechanism of ca capturing carbon, uh, and also looking at natural processes that will then enable uh, the entire greening approach, especially for industries, and provides the necessary creation of industries that I spoke about earlier, and, and more importantly, uh, the both the economic value and the necessary offset to be able to manage this change. From an overarching policy perspective, how that translates is a an investment into uh, decarbonization focused at carbon capture and utilization as a main pillar. Uh, and that looks at both the, the science uh, behind it and also looks at the real world implementation and impact uh, uh, for there. 
uh, more. UAE supports green infrastructure and clean energy projects uh, worldwide and uh, investing in renewable energy ventures worth around 16.8 billion in over 70 countries. Now, how does that translate into uh, real pr real uh, research and development outcomes is uh, an advancement and acceleration of green uh, energy production and infrastructure that is absolutely necessary for uh, the right energy transition and the right mechanism to be able to create the necessary uh, impact. In terms of spearheading green and climate, uh, green and climate technology development and deployment, uh, we are looking at cutting edge partnerships for research and developments, both uh, uh, to advance locally specific needs uh, for the UAE and its industries, and also look at the wider uh, global ecosystem to be able to do that. And we have taken a practical step to ensure leadership in the space uh, by forming the Emirates Research and Development Council and committing uh, to increase our research and development spend to 2% of GDP by 2031, uh, where we will spend $160 billion in the next dollars in the next 30 years to further develop and deploy green innovations in the UAE and around the world. Um, in terms of our priorities, uh, hydrogen and it's the whole value chain from production all the way to utilization and transportation uh, from a perspective, perspective that is logical and usable by industries. Um, carbon capture uh, technologies, desalination, and finding the right mechanism for water desalination, water production that doesn't is not energy intensive. Uh, digital technologies and smart mobility solutions will be able to encapsulate a whole of package approach towards uh, decarbonizing and creating the necessary uh, mechanism to capitalize on the green transition. Um, that all encompasses together with the the technology transformation program that I spoke about earlier that focuses also on uh, our key industrial players and allows us to move forward. So again, to reiterate from a policy perspective, you're looking at um, current industries and decarbonization in current industries, creation of new industries that are focused on uh, the byproduct of the green transition and being able to, to also gain economic value and competitiveness there. And that's where the opportunity comes in. And then at the end, to pull things together, technological advancement, um, key towards uh, each industry, research and development that drives the necessary opportunities forward and develops the right mechanisms to solve the current challenges and also be able to create the necessary opportunities. And that all then drives the impact that we all foresee for both existing technologies and, uh, uh, and future technologies that will drive the energy transition, the green transition, make decarbonization a reality uh, and a fact of development across industries. Thank you. And Mr. Al-Kabi, reaching those decarbonization goals requires technology beyond renewable energy and forestation. Artificial intelligence is now in the conversation across many technological innovations and future thinking solutions. How are data analytics, AI, and other emerging technologies shaping the energy industry and helping to meet low emissions and zero emission goals? Advances in things like AI, big data, analytics, and supercomputing are perhaps the most exciting and important technological development of our era. The ability to collect and analyze such 
huge volumes of data instantly give us ability to make decisions that ensure efficiency, sustainability, and safety across our operation. Our Panorama Data Analytics Center has given us extensive monitoring and measurement capability across our operation value chain. In the last five years, we've achieved a 15% saving in energy expenditure and aim to achieve another 5% reduction within the next three years. Advanced data analytics tools have helped us perform centralized productive maintenance and virtually eliminating flaring. We've also successfully piloted AI technology at our gas facilities by simultaneously crunching data from hundreds of IoT sensors. Our AI emission monitoring platforms give us a real-time guidance on the optimum parameters to operate facilities so that we generate the most energy with the least emissions. AI is also helping to ensure that activities like drilling are as energy efficient as possible. By performing rapid data analysis, the AI is able to identify challenges and determine the optimum parameters to minimize energy expenditure. These advances go hand in hand with another exciting field, automation and robotics. Robotic Operations reduce or entirely eliminate the need for heavy equipment used for things like firefighting and the consumption of high carbon source material. For instance, one of our underwater inspection vehicles piloted last year removed the need to take rigs to dock for maintenance. We calculated that this one device alone, the size of a small box, will cut greenhouse gas emission by up to 30,000 ton over five years. Elsewhere, Robotics and drone inspection devices are ensuring that we provide round-the-clock effective safeguard against challenges such as methane leaks. One last question for you, Your Excellency. In being the first in the region to set these sustainability goals, the UAE is in a unique leadership position. So leading up to COP28, what would you like to see from public and private sector leaders in terms of driving sustainable industrial development? Uh, we need to all start with the key realization that, that the transition that we're going to see with our climate is a, an impact on all of us, regardless of what sector you belong to, regardless of what economy, what level, it will affect some more than others and it will create both a negative impact um, and will have some forms of damages um, across the board. To be able to form the right partnerships, we need to stop thinking it as governments, public sector, private sector, and more as an overarching uh, whole of ecosystem approach. And what that really means is that we are all stakeholders uh, in this the correct energy transition and the correct green transition and the right mechanism for decarbonization in being able to commit and being able to deliver on our commitments, especially with regards to uh, decarbonization. And how do you really translate that into effective mechanisms? It's not about partnerships first, it's about the mindset and approach. Uh, decoupling support for decarbonization from growth, it could be coupled and will be, and we've spoken at, uh, at different examples where uh, the Emirates uh, has looked at uh, fostering economic growth together with creating necessary equi uh, uh, the necessary equilibrium to ensure that it's not impacting our decarbonization dr uh, drive. And we 
are not doing this uh, in silos. It's not a public policy. It's not only a regulations drive. It is a drive of bringing partnerships on board, uh, of working together with both the private and public sector as joint stakeholders, of finding the right mechanisms for technology adoption across industries, building the right use cases where different industrial players can learn from it, and then driving that internationally. And I want to point one uh, example of multilateral global partnership, which is a uh, our signature on the Energy Security and Industry Accelerator Agreement uh, with Germany in 2022. And that signaled our commitment to investing in projects of energy security, decarbonization, and climate action. That's multilateral, multi-impact, uh, broad, and does the necessary change while creating the necessary impact and overarching uh, mechanism. And what we want to work as a global community that is equally impacted by uh, the climate change is pragmatism rather than political statements, rather than emotional, um, emotional overarching messages, but practical, real, on the ground action that creates the necessary growth that we want to see in the world without impacting our climate and without impacting the well-being of everyone on this planet. And lastly, for you, Mr. Alkebi, what are some innovations and in emerging technologies in, say, decarbonization, hydrogen, et cetera, that you are looking forward to seeing deployed as the 2030 benchmark approaches? Well, ADNOC is uh, proactively developing the market for hydrogen by pursuing a balanced strategy based on low carbon and renewable hydrogen. So let me start with the low carbon ammonia. It has an important role as a stepping stone in the broader energy transition because it is cost competitive, can be scaled up quickly, and has lower carbon intensity than many other fuel in the market. In addition, use of low carbon hydrogen now will help to create demand for this type of energy at scale, supporting the longer-term commercialization of renewable hydrogen, which is also known as a green hydrogen. So in recent months, ADNOC has made a number of announcements in relation to clean ammonia and hydrogen that are helping to build the hydrogen value chain. We are a major shareholder in Mustard clean energy powerhouse that aims to produce 1 million ton of green hydrogen by 2030, saving an equivalent of more than 6 million ton of CO2 every year. We have sold several cargos of low-carbon ammonia to customers in Europe and Asia. These test cargos are a critical step to enable our partners to test a new application of clean hydrogen and hydrogen derivatives while also supporting the commercial growth in priority markets. The demonstration cargoes proved that there is a growing demand for hydrogen and willing to test its application. The whole story about green hydrogen and ammonia can be traced back almost to similar early days of LNG. In this nascent and emerging source of energy, I think there is a stronger need to see a collaboration between customers and producers. And the long-term partnership is a very important step to ensure that we progress and scale up the hydrogen applications. We also announced a new world-scale 1 million ton per annum low-carbon ammonia plant at Ta'ziz, which is now in the design phase and will include international partners. Similarly, we recently began collaboration with Mustard in the UAE to develop up to one giga clean hydrogen hubs. 
Regarding renewables, we are a major shareholder in Abu Dhabi Future Energy Company Master, which currently has a capacity over 20 gigawatt of renewable energy, which is enough to power, as I mentioned earlier, over 5 million homes and plans to grow this well over 100 gigawatt by 2030. Thank you both very much for what has been a fantastic episode of the Business Lab. Thank you very much, Larry. Thank you. That was Her Excellency Sarah Bint Yusuf Al-Amari, Minister of State for Public Education and Advanced Technology for the United Arab Emirates, as well as Mr. Masaba Al-Kabi, the Executive Director for Low Carbon Solutions and International Growth for ADNOC, who I spoke with from Cambridge, Massachusetts, the home of MIT and MIT Technology Review, overlooking the Charles River. That's it for this episode of Business Lab. I'm your host, Laurel Ruma. I'm the Director of Insights the Custom Publishing Division of MIT Technology Review. We were founded in 1899 at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. And you can find us in print, on the web, and at events each year around the world. For more information about us and the show, please check out our website at technologyreview.com. This show is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, we hope that you'll take a moment to rate and review us. Business Lab is a production of MIT Technology Review. This episode was produced by Jiro Studios. Thanks for listening.